Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. As usual, I am your host, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter, and joined by rich as usual at dynasty island on twitter how are you doing rich i'm very good thank you very good i'm slightly stressed there's a lot of a lot of charity drafts happening uh i was feeling very very happy and smug that my scott fishbowl draft was taking so long but this morning realizing that there was another three drafts kicking off as uh yeah not 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 been great for the stress levels (laughs) um but we're not here to talk about charity leagues all the time, but we will be speaking about them in a little while. Before we do that, let's throw it over to Antonio. We've got one of our Dynasty writers um, here at Five Yard Dynasty on the pod with us, as we've been doing for the past few weeks. So you can find um, Antonio at FF underscore lights out seven. Um, and he's also the co-host of the Play Action Pass podcast now. Antonio, how are you doing, mate? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Happy to be here. Uh yeah, looking forward to getting into this one with you both. Should be fun. How's your uh, your FFCC draft started? It has it has started um, round one complete almost actually. So I'm pick eleven and I've just selected CMC, and it's on the twelfth pick now. So I'm all right with that one. Uh, and yeah, I'll get a quarterback on the way back hopefully. Nice. Liam. How about you? Well, I've I've not picked yet, as as <laughs> as seems to be the case with every uh, charity draft this year. I'm picking twelve, so uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just sitting in moaning. I think we're still at like pick six or something in my division. We're I think we're going to be a slow one. Liam, how's your FFCC going? Well, it's at the point now where I'm struggling to pick at the two hour two oh eight because I have no idea where to go. <laughs> Quarterbacks have actually that. fallen. I'm str- struggling to pick. I'm I'm two rounds in. Yeah. Run out, of, run out of players. You know, yet, Liam. Yeah. So, <laughs> thanks, Rich. Um, so, in all of the charity leagues I've done this year, all of the quarterbacks, apart from the UK FFC, because that was weird scoring, completely super flex or uber flex, as people were calling it, and that was completely different. But 
all of the other drafts have been um, super flex and therefore all of the quarterbacks have gone really early, whereas I'm at the 208 and I've got Dak Prescott on the board still. So that's mad. I feel like that's the pick. That's the pick. Most drafts I've spoken to have been really quarterback heavy. Certainly mine has been six, first six picks. I've heard eight, nine going in the first round as as being the norm. So, uh, yeah, I think you've got to smash that there. Yeah. Well, seven, yeah, so seven been... of the first eight were quarterbacks of mine, so similar suit, Rich. Yeah. Well, should we should we stop talking about the FFCC? As much as it's FFCC day, shall we? Uh, shall we dive in some flex talk? Yeah. Yeah, but first, Rich, I'm I'm going to do the news because <laughs> you brought it up. That I snuck it into the show sheet, and then unfortunately, you don't get a choice. I'm going to do it. So, um, first of all. We had some sad news today that Chris Carson is retiring from the NFL. Rich predicted this a while back. Um, His neck injury, I believe it was chronic. Um, So it was always expected, but he's hung on. Um, But now he is retiring, so don't draft him anywhere. And if you still have him, it's probably safe for you to drop. Um, And then another little bit of news, very hurtful to me, but... Um, John Mechie from the Texans, the rookie coming into the league, second round wide receiver. Um, he got diagnosed with um, a curable form of leukemia. So he's likely out for the season, unfortunately. Uh, but let's get away from some of the um, awful news that we've seen in the league. Let's try and hype this up a little bit. I've called the show How to Flex. Um so, Antonio, we brought you on so you can show everyone how to flex. Yeah, I'm not going to um, do that on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but, if I was drinking. So, yeah. we're going so to think this to drink this, at the UK FFC, aren't we? <laughs> I think this was born out of Antonio's fl- uh, article that he wrote six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, something like that. Um one of the uh, sections within that was about winning the flex. And uh, basically yeah. we, we talked about it and thought it would make for a, a good topic on the show. So, I mean, in terms of your general approach to the flex spot within a dynasty draft, Antonio, how, how are you approaching that? Yeah, you're right there. So it, it was born from that article. Um, and the article actually was wrote as a bit of a lessons learned from last year, or, or actually it combined pretty much all my years playing fantasy, to be honest, into one article. It was quite a long one. And I, I really could have split it, split it down into two really uh, considerations. The first one being your draft kind of approach and your selections at draft uh, during the draft. And then the other one was in get in weeks flex considerations, which we'll talk about now. But really the flex spots I was that when I was writing the article came from the back of the draft one. So if you don't mind, I just want to, talk about the two draft approaches that I mentioned in this article, because it does, the, the flex considerations do really follow on from that. So the, um, if that's all right, the first one is, um, you know, I'm quite keen and I've learned really from uh, recent years that you want to have a, a bit of a leg up on the onesie positions. So um, in your draft, I always, I'm, I'm finding myself going tight end early, um, and off off in most drafts now that that seems to be the case whereas you know maybe if five or six years ago i would just focus on other positions and, and think you know the, the the tight end group is so deep i'll get one later that that's kind of changed completely now and pretty much every draft i'm, I'm trying to grab a tight end early um and again it's, it's the idea of getting a, a bit of a an advantage at the onesie positions so i know i know you know there's so many formats we could talk about um, but the article did follow a, a more redraft, one QB, one tight end approach um, when I was writing it. Uh, and, and yeah, on the back of that, really, I talk a little bit about Hero RB, which I wrote back in January this year, um, which I thought was the best strategy that I kind of fell into the last couple of years. And the, the fact that you could go Hero RB, which is obviously you take one, stud running back and then you kind of flood all the other positions allows you to get stronger in those onesie positions so you know where you're where historically i was using robust rb um the the approach of taking three or four running backs and then missing out on that tight end or qb or rushing qb especially um you know here here rb allows you to do that um and, and that means then 
you know, when we get into the flex positions, um, your pool of you're essentially filling your uh, wide receiver and uh, your your running back positions and your flex spots with a, a bigger pool of wide receivers and running backs. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say basically. You know, in the article, I talk about those two approaches and it kind of sets up what we're going to discuss for the future, uh, in this future hour or whatever for, for the flex spots. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, here RB is is the, the where I've fallen, really, because I thought, you know, zero RB was a bit too extreme. Um, robust RB was extreme the other way. Here RB seems to be a nice kind of position where, you know, you minimize the injury risk to your running backs by getting one okay, that one might get injured, but actually it allows you to attack other positions early in the draft. Um, and then it's all about then fancying yourself uh, to pick up some flex spots and trusting your knowledge as, as you go into the weeks to get those flex spots, I think. So, yeah, what do you think? What, that what about... <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's... I never really, I never really go into a draft in Dynasty with any sort of set strategy about this is what I'm going to do, particularly at the flex spots. I might have a plan perhaps for the first two or three rounds, but I kind of think that it, it's it's kind of chaos after after that, isn't it? Yeah. I think I, uh, I appreciate this. This is coming slightly from a more redraft article uh, mindset. And I think that that's, yeah. you know, certainly something that we need to be considering um, more and, and perhaps something that's underrated within Dynasty. But I think for me, it's a case of, I basically am looking to accumulate the most valuable players possible and perhaps don't focus as much on the flex area within the teams until we get into the season. I think it's it's perhaps two different conversations, isn't it? Is that yeah. what you're doing about your flex spot in the draft and then what you're doing in season perhaps? No, yeah, I completely, sorry, I should have started really. This whole article is based around redraft. And I know this is a dynasty podcast and we'll get, you know, the tips at the end where we can link them hopefully both together. But the majority of the things I talk about on this pod probably will be redraft for this one episode. So, uh, yeah, yeah, probably should have started with that. Sorry. No, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll try and inter- intertwine it all together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so... Liam, I don't know if you if you want to start with we've 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 got kind of a few, a few questions, a few topics that we want to kind of dive through. I don't know if you want to start us off, Liam. I'm not precious. You can ask the questions, really. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want to, I don't want to be taken over. That's all. I appreciate I take I take over a lot of things. I don't want to be taken over. Uh, you don't. You don't at all. So, um, Antonio, I'm going to stop Rich from taking over the podcast. And um, <laughs> the first question. And this is from Rich's show sheet. I'm just going to point that out. Um, to do, do the way that your opponents draft and how their teams kind of set out after, say, the first five rounds, does that affect your decision on what you do with your flex spots? Does it affect the type of players you take? Or are you always looking for a certain type of player for your flex spots? So I think, again, yeah, if we're talking about in weeks, as in head-to-head in weeks. One of the things I used to do really was look at my opponent's team and look at how many fancy points that team is projected to score and then say, right, you know, I need to hit some boom players or my flex spots need to be some boom or bust here. Otherwise, I'm going to lose to this opponent because he's so or she's so strong. Um, I've gone away from that completely now. Um, one of the things I wrote in the article was basically try to forget pretty much everything who you're playing focus on your team's scoring points and everything will just fall into place that way because there's so many variables that can happen you know I used to look at okay that person's got a certain QB if I end up taking that receiver or flexing that receiver in my article I talk about Isaiah McKenzie and and Gabe Davis the the other opponent had Josh Allen um then yeah, you know, I'm gonna win when he when he or she wins with Josh Allen. But actually that's not the case. That quarterback could easily run it in twice as he did on that week against me, and it was a hard lesson. But you know, it's a, if that quarterback runs it in, then not only does uh you know that receiver doesn't get anything really, the quarterback gets rushing as well. So, you know, there's so many things that could happen. If you start you could you could overthink it, is what I'm trying to say, if you start looking at your opponent's matchups. 
And again, you know, I'm coming from it from a redraft week to week um, matchup based discussion at the flex spots. Um, do so you... Does that change for you in Dynasty? Sorry, Rich. Yes. Oh, for, sorry. For me, it does. But go on, Rich. Well, I, I was asking yeah. you. I was saying sorry to Rich. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, you know, I, it, in Dynasty, it would change. You know, um, I'm not too worried about kind of flex spot consideration at all in dynasty You're trying to get the most value you can and the flex will just figure themselves out usually in a dynasty league you want to keep them as much value on your team um I, i'm very much as soon as the season starts i'm really into redraft mode I'll, I'll go six months or seven months playing dynasty which i love you know the whole point again in the dynasty seven years ago or whatever is because i couldn't wait for the season to start so i was like okay i need to do something in these seven months dynasty football find it on dlf with with ryan and that was it came over for me but but as soon as as soon as this time of year really i'm coming on a good time really because I, I will start to try and focus towards redraft i'll be taking in as much redraft content as i can and all that will help the dynasty teams it can only help yeah i, th- I think that's it isn't it is that you know we, we've we've talked about it over the past few months in terms of player values and things like that and i think that everybody turns even in dynasty leagues into that slight redraft mentality of okay can i win this year kind of thing and i think for me it's interesting you talking about that that flex decision and and kind of you know trying not to look at other teams rosters and stuff and for me i i genuinely don't ever look at the opponent's rosters at all um outside of my home league which is a little bit different because i'm conscious i kind of try and remember who has everybody so that when we're doing trades and things, but in in a normal dynasty league, I genuinely don't look at who they've got at all, and and I'll look at my roster, and then at the end of the week, I'll look at their points scored and be like, oh, okay, that's that's what they scored, mm-hmm. and I think that perhaps that's that comes with being in so many <laughs> leagues that I I can't worry about individual performance and things like that, and I'm looking at players' points scored as a whole rather than in the individual matchups. But yeah, I, I think it's a great point of you know, don't don't basically try and, you know, stack with, with the opponent's QB or, or try and don't start a player because this person's got, he's starting this person. And I, I think you just start your best lineup. Um, and and if, if, if that's the best lineup, then it's the best lineup regardless of uh, whoever's on the other team as such. I think I'm very similar and it kind of comes back to your point of being in way too many leagues, Rich. I don't have the time to... I mean, last season I struggled to set every single lineup because it took me like an hour to set all my lineups. You need a better process, Lydia. I was about to say, I don't have a process, Rich. <laughs> I don't sit there for ages. But like, when you have that many leagues, I just, yeah. you, you, when you're struggling to set your own awesome. lineups, you can't look at elsewhere, um, someone else's. So, um, And the other thing is, if someone, if you did something because, or you played a certain player because... Uh, your opponent was playing XQB or X whatever or chose not to play someone because of that same situation and then they make a last second switch, mm. then you've just screwed yourself over In for a lack of a better term. You've just ruined your team or potentially ruined your team because of a late second switch because you were trying to be a bit too clever and to me that, that I tried that in my first season Um and I quickly got out of it because I realized it wasn't working as well as I'd hoped. Um, but Antonio, so when, when we talk about um, players, and especially in Dynasty, when we're talking before the season, we're trying to predict how players do, especially if they're a rookie coming into their first year or, or whatever the situation may be. We always kind of look for good offenses and then we also try and look at game scripts in terms of um oh the jaguars might be losing a lot this year so they might be throwing the ball a lot that means that the wide receivers might see an uptick there and we try and use these things to try and predict what is going to happen over a season but when you drill it down to a weekly yeah like a, a weekly process do you look at individual matchups specifically and try and predict the game flow predict whether it's going to be more of a run-based um game plan or a pass game plan from either side do 
do you look at the matchup in terms of the defense as well? How, how do you walk us through that? How do you look at a weekly matchup there? Yeah, so th- this is probably the, the biggest consideration I give to flex spots um, consideration. Um, there's a couple of things you said there, um, better offenses and, and obviously then greater time of possession. You know, the bottom line is your players need to be um, on the field to score fantasy points unless you've got some sort of weird format going on. Um, <laughs> so better offenses means the chains are moved, means players are on that you know, fancy team will stay on the on the on the pitch for longer. That's that's the general rule, really, of um, that that I like to consider. You know, the first and foremost, if I'm looking for those flex spots, or if I'm trying to grab someone off the wire, it's the same thing in a redraft league. You know, these flex spots could be the ones on your bench, but actually, your better option could be on the wire. Let's not forget that as well. And even in dynasty leagues as well. Yeah, there'll be there'll be some dynasty wires that are loaded with players that can help your team. Um, immediately so yeah um I, yeah you know I, I did write in the article about offenses like the jags and, and the giants and the jets sorry rich uh, last year <laughs> compared to some of the other ones like the bills and the packers um it, 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 automatically they're going to be on the field for longer um as they move the chains so those players are the kind of the ones you want and time and possession and better offenses there is a correlation there um which we can get into a little bit later, but you talked about something else as well, which is kind of game flow and, and maybe over-unders as well, uh, Liam, which which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think I've learned over the years to, to, to base my flex spots considerations on that now. So I'm looking at high over-unders, you know, and if you look at um, what actually, the you know, the Vegas lines or whatever they use in America, they, they're so sensitive to a few things. Um, I did list them in the article, so I'll go through them. But the, basically, you know, the weather has a lot to do with uh, these over-under uh, games. So that is something I'll look at. You know, is this going to be a windy, snowy game? I don't really want to flex anyone in that, in that game in that instance. Or, you know, the strength of the QBs. Is there going to be one QB who's really strong against a third stringer because the other two have got COVID this week or whatever? All of a sudden, you, you do not want players in your spec flex spots, usually from games that are blowouts. That's something I've learned as well over the last few years. Um, the tendencies of those teams in neutral game strips, I think, is is massive. You know, you've got one team who, if they go up, they will just run the clock out. You, you don't really want flex players um, even against that team because they won't get the ball that much. Um, Packers come to mind. They're quite slow and they're always up. You know, the last couple of years, Rogers drains the clock quite rigorously on the other side of that someone like the vikings uh, you know I'm, I'm choosing players against the vikings and the cardinals because they're so fast you know they, their pace of play is so fast you not only want players on their teams but you want them against them as well because they'll be on the field a lot faster so yeah loads of things to consider um defensive injuries you touched upon that one as well that's a that's a new one that i'm kind of focused a lot more on um and i think it might be because of covid because so many big time defensive players have been out the last couple of uh, years with with the protocol or whatever and it's made a massive difference to the over-unders so yeah loads of things to consider and you can't overthink everything (laughs) you could just throw it out but you know why not I I think it's a huge tool that's underutilized if I'm brutally honest I think that for me as part of my weekly rankings I take into account the implied team totals so basically looking at the over-under looking at what what the spread is and and that gives each team an implied total of how many points Vegas think they're going to score basically um and yeah I I kind of build back from there when I'm doing my rankings and and try to you know take into account the, the difference of an implied team total of you know 21 compared to 35 is 14 points that so basically Vegas are saying one team is going to score two more touchdowns than the other team. Well, two more touchdowns for fantasy perspective is massive, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I, I, I love the idea of, of using those over-unders and implied team totals when it comes to incorporating them into so that potential flex spot. At the end of the day, normally when we're looking at flex spots, it's a case of you've started your two best running backs, your three normally best receivers and it's looking for the best player and once you're starting to get to that point you've got choices and 
you know, a, a, a simple person that's going to be on an offense that's going to score the most points is a is a fantastic way to, to kind of potentially boost that and and gain the most potential for uh, for scoring options there. So when you say that you use um, over-unders, Antonio, what type of over-unders do you use? Is it purely just total points in a game? Do you use the specific team's over-unders, so team points, or do you use... Do you go down into player prop bets where you're looking at how many yards someone is projected to get over under wise? What type of or how yeah. far down do you drill? I, I, I go all the way now to player props, as you say, just because um, I think it's only been recently since that's come out anyway, the last two or three years. But before that, it was always, OK, a team's going to be minus four and a half or whatever. Um, so you think you're going to they're going to be. Uh, ahead or whatever so they're going to run the ball more the other team's going to throw a little bit more because they're going to be behind you know it could be as something as basic as that now i'm going down to the player props because i've kind of figured out that you know they're not a million miles away the bet that we say it all the time you know the bookies are never wrong but they, they they're not they're not a million miles away if you look at the the, the, the receptions and the, and the targets um, sorry, they don't, I'm not sure they do targets, but receptions on, on receivers, for example, they're always around the right figure. Um, and it, where it helps probably the most is if you're looking at a player, let, let's, let's give some examples here now. A player like um, Tim Patrick this year, you know, we think he's going to be the third player on that, on that uh, receiving core, we think. Uh, you know, he could be second or first, but we don't know yet. But he, let, let's say he's the third. And it, it, for me, the flex spots has always been something like, okay, do I really want the third option in that receiving call versus the first option on a on a run first team? Let's say that's Jacoby Myers or someone else who runs the ball first, but is the first option. Again, I'm just thinking here. So Myers or Patrick, that could be a decision that a lot of people make. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm that Then I'm looking at who are Denver playing this week. Is it going to be a shootout? Because I, I quite easily go for that third option over that that first read, if you like, from New England uh, in um, in in that circumstance. So, so yeah, it does help for for those reasons. So I'm just going to put this out there. I know that we don't normally talk betting on this podcast. So if you are struggling to follow because of the betting terms, me, my, my Rich, and I'm sure Antonio are all open to you messaging one of us so we can clarify some of the terms. So know that that isn't something we tend to clarify. And when I was getting into betting and learning the betting side of things that um, I struggled with some of the terminology, but Passing it back over to you, Rich, how do you use over-unders? Are you, like Antonio, you drill all the way down into the player props or are you just taking like the top level? I, I can probably guess the answer because I know what you like. Surprisingly, I think you're, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not a gambler at all. I'm, I'm be honest, I'm completely out of my depth and I'd, I'd love to have the time to be able to go through individual player props and individual player over-unders, but... Yeah, I, I can't do process. that. So no, so I've I've got a spreadsheet that pulls implied team totals. So as I said earlier, that's team over unders and um team spreads. So implied team totals for each team, which helps me put together my rankings and, and projections on a weekly basis. But yeah, I I don't go in looking for individual player props because um I'd I'd love to. I'd love to sit here and say, yeah, I've, I've, I think I think it's a really good idea and I think you know, let's be honest. Vegas don't don't make an awful lot of money just for the fun of it. So I think it's a really good idea, um, and I'd be interested to see, kind of over the course of a season, how how accurate and sort of the results are of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not something that unfortunately I can I can do um, and and justify the time on and such. So Antonio, coming back to you, I mean we we've spoken about. Um, tight ends a lot on this podcast. I'm sure you are aware. I've heard, I've heard yeah. <laughs> um, number one. Fan, so, yeah. I have a strong stance on this, and it really depends on the scoring format. But in most formats, I don't use tight ends in my flex spots. And, um, but how do you use tight ends in your flex box if you do? How do you te- choose a tight end over a running back or wide receiver? It's It's rare. It's, it's a very rare occurrence for me. Um, you know, we're talking, obviously, I'll just switch my head to Dynasty now. We're going to have 
millions, I was going to say thousands of players on the bench. <laughs> why, why would we choose a tight end over someone who um, that we're going to have on our bench, let's be honest, in the Dynasty League, who um, are, are more likely, just by probability, to score more than tight end? Even in, I would say, tight end premium leagues, unless you've got two of the top ones. And even, and even then, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not in, I'm not into flexing um, the middle tight ends. You know, you think of, I don't know, Gaseki or any of those, unless you've got two of the top ones, I, I wouldn't even be considering it, to be honest. Yeah, I think for me, if I've got two of the top, probably six, should we say, tight ends. So, you know, if I've got Pitts and Kelsey on a roster, then yeah, sure, I'm, I'm fine flexing one of those. But I think anything outside of that, at the tight end position, you're basically hoping for a touchdown each week. And I think that the the volumes and the target volumes aren't there to dictate that you pick them over yeah. any other player. And I think basically you're anytime you're you're picking a player and hoping that they score a touchdown in a flex spot, I think you're uh, you're on a hiding to nothing, certainly. Do you have sorry Liam, I'm I'm jumping in with an okay. initial question for that. Do you have a preference, Antonio, between looking at a running back in your flex? Do you have a pre- preference to looking at wide receiver or yeah so uh again you know wide receivers will probably roll if it's a ppr league but it, I, I keep going back to the article was written really from a standard one qb one tight end 0.5 ppr so half ppr so uh, you know that's that's where our home league has been going for 12 years that's what we use um i think we can have the conversation about floor and ceiling as well now if you want because I think it's linked. So the reason why I started off this whole episode really talking about the onesie positions, you know, if I'm stronger in after the draft, if I'm stronger in those onesie positions, I will aim for floor in the flex spots. So my usually my kind of tactic is here are be onesie positions are stronger than yours straight away each week. Therefore I'm ahead. Therefore I will probably find someone with a safer floor to keep me through the week and that served me quite well if i'm honest um that approach now if the onesie positions don't hit you're gonna have to go and shoot for the ceiling in the flex position so i think they're, they're so important those onesie positions really to me because they either give you an advantage that you're always ahead then and you just want to maintain that advantage or you're behind um so that's how i treat those positions really and the flex spots will then follow. If I'm behind, I'm shooting for ceiling. If I'm ahead, or I think I'm ahead because Kelsey's going to outscore Irv Smith, then I'm going for floor. So for me, and I, I, I think the way I like to build my rosters is that I build around those young, young wide receivers. I build around wide receivers. I, I put a lot of my kind of capital, should we say, around those wide receivers. And then running back is just a volume play. And I've got a lot of volume. And for me to start a running back over a wide receiver in the flex, I need to be able to realistically expect probably 15 to 20 touches as a minimum from that running back in order for them to be flex worthy for me. So that's basically one of the top probably like 20 running backs or one of those backups that there's been an injury, you know, mm-hmm. Alexander Madison last year in, in weeks where Davin Cook wasn't playing, I'd have really been happy to flex Alexander Madison because he was probably a top 20 option for me. Whereas he scored ridiculously high. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. anyone that was that playing would... him did. But yes. Okay. Maybe, maybe but... not. <laughs> Let's use current examples. If, if James Patterson, Connor is injured. Why don't you use Pat Patterson as an example? You'd be flexing him. Really. Yeah, I, was, right. I was starting Patterson everywhere, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> um, if, if, um, like if, if James Connor, for example, goes mm-hmm. down, then Darrell Williams is probably going to be in that flex conversation. Now, I could easily see a picture where he's going to get 15 to 20 touches without James Connor. So I'd be happy probably flexing him over the majority of wide receiver options. But unless a running back is going to get that volume, I don't feel comfortable, you know, starting them in a flex spot. So at that point, I'm normally looking, you know, wide receiver 40 or something. I would normally start wide receiver 40 over wide receiver 21, for example. I appreciate it's slightly different on a week-to-week basis. and, And, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. But I'd certainly lean more 
wide receiver heavy, but that's how I build my rosters. So that's always going to be how I, I, I lead at a flex spot because that's that's just the way the way I play, certainly. So does, does that affect you in your home league redraft week to week? Does does your dynasty mentality affect you in your I'll be honest, it's, it's a, it's, I'm going to give you a really rubbish response because my home league doesn't have a flex spot. So oh, right. wow. we're, two, we're two running back through our receivers and that's the only so this, redraft. This, yeah, yeah. Go that's on, the right, only please. redraft league I play outside of the charity right. tournament. So in in a charity tournament, I'm, yep. I'm always, put, you know, depending on the format, I appreciate. But, you know, a lot of them you're talking shooting for the moon aren't you so i'm generally again going for the wide receiver because i think they've got the the higher potential of that spike week um and higher potential to score huge than a you know a middling back-end rb2 shall we say what about you Liam? do you are you safety of a running back are you spike of a wide receiver in that flex spot i'm probably going to give a really boring answer and you're going to sit on the fence Kind of, yeah. I I genuinely just go for who I think is the better play. I it's really hard to kind of put into words. I don't look at a floor play or a ceiling play. I genuinely just look at a player and go, okay, I think this person on an average basis will outscore this person. And it's not as much as okay, I have better onesie positions, so I'm I feel like floor will even me out and my floor is better than his floor kind of thing or mm. their floor it and i don't necessarily think oh i need a ceiling play because i don't think my the rest of my team is good enough so i will play whoever i think will score more points that week and it, it sounds so boring but there's no consideration of oh he's got a higher floor the only time that extra bit comes into it for me is where i've got two players that i would class very similarly on a week-to-week basis and then i'd go for the highest ceiling play because i'd much rather have the boom week than uh, just a safe floor safety i suppose blanket so really boring answer of i'm just going to play the one that i think is better but i don't really go directly to a ceiling play the only time i will do that and i'll caveat it is when i'm playing in a rebuild i will play the highest ceiling like the highest boom bust plays because it'll either help me with my rebuild or it'll show someone up that a rebuilding roster has just beat them that's the only time i'll play <laughs> is this the, NF- the nfl players. you would if if yeah. they're in your on your bench, then you don't get film on them, and uh, you can't you can't sell them for a profit. They've they've got to be in a starting lineup, exactly. have they? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's an interesting point, to be honest. It's something I've never even thought of. But no. I I wonder, yeah, if if a player goes off or scores well, are we are you more likely to be able to kind of I guess flag him to the rest of the league if he's in your starting spot than on on your bench? It's, it's an interesting. I think, one. I think that goes down to the intelligence within the league because the amount of times that someone like an MVS or uh, Sammy Watkins, these guys that you class as boom bust plays go off and then you see no trades in your leagues because no one's willing to take the shot on them that they're going to be that. Um, I think it's where it's something like a Claypool a couple of years ago where he had that monster game and then you saw a lot of moves because it was the first time he actually did something. Yeah, um, That's probably where you see it. Uh, or say the first time he did did something, the first time he properly broke out. But that's a different episode. We don't need to talk about that. Um, we're going to make Tom Strachan, the, the stack of king, absolutely happy by this segment um, and this question, Antonio. But mm-hmm. we're going to move on to a bit of stacking now and whether that comes into consideration for your flex spot. So if you have a quarterback or yeah. how it do you then have uh, like a tiebreaker in your head that say you've got Dak, uh, Dak Prescott, are you then thinking, oh, I'll play Gallup over X player because I want that stack? Does that actually come into your evaluation? Uh, yeah, it does for me. So it, it is a good tiebreaker that I use um, simply. So it is know. only a tiebreaker. It's not a it, it is, It's a tiebreaker. No, well, yeah. you know, going back, either again, go back to the kind of the way the article is written. You're either drafting, you're doing two things really in redraft leagues. You're, you're drafting or you're 
you're picking your flex spots because everything else should be set. So during a draft, it will be a consideration, but it won't be. I'm not reaching for a stack usually. Um, if I'm going to stack in, in, a, in a draft, usually I do look to stack the QB and tight end just because Rich, what Rich said earlier, you know, if tight end's going to score, he's going to score a touchdown. So why not match that with a QB? So I'm more likely to always usually more likely to stack tight end with a quarterback, if I'm honest. Therefore, you know, the flex consideration doesn't really come into it, even because I just overlook the tight ends, even if I've got that QB. However, um, if I'm between a running back and a wide receiver, um, yeah, I will look at a tiebreaker being the stack, especially if it's a high-scoring team, a team that likes to throw the ball. We talked about that earlier and the tendency of the team. Um, you know, Dak's a good good example of that. Um, Kyler and, yeah, just high high scoring, quick moving teams. Um, yeah, flex uh, would, would be a consideration for me for stacking. So I've got a follow up question, but first, Rich, do you have um, any opinions on stacking around when it's a quarterback and then your flex spot? Yeah, it's, it's a tiebreaker for me. It's not anything more than that, I'm afraid. Um, I think in a draft, it's a slightly different approach. Um, I'd, I'd probably give a little bit of a bump, but yeah, it's if if there's two guys that I've got ranked or projected near each other on any given week, then yeah, I'd I'd give the the nod to the stack, but I'm not going out of my way. You know, I wouldn't if I've got say wide receiver thirty and wide receiver forty five in my rankings. There's no way I'm starting wide receiver forty five, even if it's the stack, because. That's, yeah. that's too much value to be giving up. Um, but yeah, if, if it was, you know, wide receiver 30 and wide receiver 33, and the wide receiver 33 was the stack, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably lean that way. So question for both of you, but I'll come to Antonio first and then Rich can share his opinion after. Um, does, uh, we've obviously just spoken about the quarterback and then a skill position player as a stack, but when we take stacks to a different level and we say, say you've got a running back or a wide receiver or a, even a tight end in your normal positional only spot, does that then affect your flex spot? So say you've got a CD lamb in your wide receiver spot. Does that then affect, say, this is probably an awful example, but uh, say Tony Pollard in your flex spot, does that affect it? Or so, do you not really care about between positions for your flex spot? So, so same position, same team, same same so team, different same position, team, different position. Think, yeah. yeah. So, would, would I go away from that? Uh, the answer is it definitely depends on the offense. This one. So, uh, if it's a high scoring offense, usually I'm okay with two people starting on the same team, and that and that's usually I know I know you're taking away a ceiling there a little bit because only one player can score at the same at one time. So if they're down at the red zone, only Pollard and only Zeke, um, Pollard and Lamb, in your example, yeah. only one of them will score and get six points for you. Yeah? However, if you're confident that team's going to be down in the red zone a lot, why not? Because yeah. there will be games where, you know, you might choose Both um, of them get Pollard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and enough touches as well. So it, yeah. it's amazing how much that time of possession matters for me. Um, you know, those considerations that we talked about earlier, time of possession, throwing the ball, all those de dependencies on game flow makes a huge difference. I got no issues starting two players from the same team if it's if it's the right situation. How about you, Rich? Yeah, I, th I think two, I mean, it depends on the size of your league. If you're starting, you know, seven or eight starters or if you're starting you know, I'm in one league that starts 18 offensive starters. So starting two or three, two or three from the same offense is 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 okay. Um, I think two is okay. Three is normally where I'd kind of start to draw the line, unless the implied team total is is ridiculously high. Um, you know, if it's a uh, Bills when they're fully firing, and you're looking at starting potentially this year someone like a, you know. Dawson Knox, Stefan Diggs, and Gabe Davis. If the the other guys that I'd have to start over them aren't near them in that weekly rankings, then yeah, I'd I'd be fine with that. But I certainly probably would start to bulk 
three, maybe, and, and definitely not four from from an offense. But two, you know, you've you've got to paint yourself a picture, haven't you? Most, you know, it's, it's fairly standard that two players will score decent points from one offense. Um, you know, if it's the third receiver and second string running back, maybe you're, you're struggling a little bit there anyway. But um, yeah, you know, if it's Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, um, you, you're starting them every week, whether they're from the same team or or not. Yeah, well, I was more talking about flex spots. If you've got Justin Jefferson <laughs> in your flex spot for anything other than um, Showman, time of <laughs> games that are happening and he's playing on a Monday night or something, then I, I'm worried about you. Um, but maybe Antonio... I've just got some absolutely stacked honesty rosters where Justin Jefferson's like wide receiver four because Rich has gone wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put, actually put the 18 team, uh, 18. Yeah, 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 I would like to see that. I'll be honest, it's, it's an orphan that I've taken over this year and it is horrific, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, it's not pretty starting. Starting the excuses early, I like it. <laughs> so, um we're going to move on to the final flex spot that we haven't really talked about in terms of um, what you do with it. And that's probably because we were all, well, myself and Rich, I don't know whether you're the same, Antonio. We're kind of under the assumption that everyone just plays a quarterback in their flex spot. But is that something that you look at specifically? The, or does it depend on the quarterback that you've got in there? How, how do you handle your flex spot, especially within the season? Yeah. Okay, so th- now we're you know thinking more along dynasty rosters. Um, I mean, you, you, I'm of the opinion of you can never beat, you can never have enough quarterbacks on your on your dynasty rosters. You know, everyone says three is a minimum, but that's for standard twelve or ten teams league because obviously three times ten is thirty. So you're looking at having the minimum amount of starters. But actually, um, we've seen it over the last few years. COVID again coming into it, taking taking quarterbacks out last second, injuries. You what you, you want the reason why you want to be deep in that position is because you want to start a quarterback in the super flex spot if you can. Um unless now, you've got the, Justin Jefferson for your super flex spots, yeah. Unless you're rich, yeah. However, <laughs> I would say um you know, I'm thinking about actually actual thing uh games that that matter or, or uh, examples of my team you know last last year for example i think or the year before teddy bridgewater was on the on the verge of a of a starter he was my super flex starter and i had other options that i could throw in there but i would just start teddy because on a, even on a bad day really you're looking at around about 12 to 16 points for running back that rich talked about earlier especially a running back to get that amount of points needs to touch the ball 15 times or more. I think I agree with you on that one um, in any format. So straight away, you want to be starting a QB over a running back or a tight end in my position, uh, opinion. So really, it's the wide receiver. If you're really deep at wide receiver, then you probably can. But I usually lean floor, especially in the super flex position, um, because it could go horribly wrong for you if you go and boom bust in that spot. Again, against an opponent who's got two strong QBs, you're in a world of trouble, I think. Rich, are you similar in that aspect that you basically exclusively have that as a quarterback spot? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I view a super flex spot as a second quarterback spot. Um, certainly with the way I build my dynasty rosters, I, I try not to have two starting quarterbacks. I try to have at least three, if not four, maybe even five. So if I'm in a world where I... I've got better players than my second quarterback option. Um, my roster might be must be incredible because I think that the the floor that a quarterback gives you, but also that potential ceiling, yeah. is basically unmatched outside of maybe ten position players on a given week. Like I could see myself starting QB twenty eight over like wide receiver ten most weeks so yeah even even if it's like a spot start for an injured you know even if if Tua goes down and it's Teddy Bridgewater's the quarterback in Miami chances are I'm probably starting Teddy in, in that super flex spot over pretty much any other player um okay yeah there'll be some extreme instances where who was the Broncos wide receiver was it Ken Kendall Kendall Hinton, Hinton. Hinton. yeah Hinton. that was the one yeah. 
So when he started, yeah, I probably wasn't starting him in my super flex spot, shall we say? A lot um, of people were starting him in normal flex spots because it was a wide receiver. Yeah, well, this is true. Yeah. Glad that bit him in the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think a normal starting quarterback, if they're a competent quarterback, I'm I'm starting them over pretty much anyone. I think it gives you a massive floor, and and that ceiling is is unrivaled basically so yeah i'm i'm to sum up quite nicely liam i view a super flex spot as a second quarterback so we could have saved two minutes from when you said that sorry uh, right? I, didn't, I didn't really i didn't didn't realize that the listeners were paying her second of uh, the price we were I'll, uh i'll remember that for next time oh dear um so Antonio, that comes to the yeah. end of uh, a grilling, I suppose, uh, questions. But um, you have a dynasty tip for us, and listeners don't turn off because I know we normally go straight from dynasty tip into uh, the end of the show. But this is going to be a bit of a meaty one. So Antonio, do you want to take it away with a dynasty tip? Because I'm pretty sure we could take this for a good, a good conversation. <laughs> Oh dear, I'm, I'm scared. Team up, it's got to be good now, Antonio. I know. Well, I, I, to be honest, I was gonna because we've spent so long talking about redraft, or, or I have in the, in the article and on this show. I really wanted to just make sure that you know we talked we talked a little bit about it. But as soon as this time of year comes around, if if your team is if you are declaring your team as a win now team, so Rich and Liam, you're in loads of dynasty leagues. What I like to do is I like to go down each one before the season starts and say, right, where am I? Am I am I win now or am I rebuild? Am I a pretender, contender, whatever you want to say? If you are saying, if you are declaring that team as a win now, you really need to be taking in as much redraft content as possible. You need to treat that league as a redraft league. You need to go all in. Otherwise, you're going to be caught in the middle. So because you're saying that's a redraft league, and this is basically why I wrote the article as well and, and why it's appeared on a, on a dynasty show is because if you're saying, you know, you're ready to win, you, you, you go all out and win and you do the rankings and you'll have redraft rankings that, you know, obviously five yards do redraft rankings and they do dynasty, for example, but you'll see loads of other sites do redraft and, and dynasty. Why are you looking at re- dynasty rankings? Even if you're in a dynasty league, if you've declared that team as a win now. So that's all I would say is a dynasty tip. Go down each league, each team that you've got. Be honest with yourself. See if it's a win now or or rebuild. And if it's a win now, start looking at those redraft rankings and forget about Rich's dynasty rankings (laughs) and try and attack the league. Yeah, I I think I'm probably a little less bold than than perhaps you are, Antonio. I I think it's I think it's something that's not talked about enough. And I think that there's a line to tread between going full redraft and making short-term decisions to that will come back and haunt you in three months. <laughs> but I also do think that people in dynasty leagues, certainly that I've played in, are, are too happy having a good team and making the playoffs. And you know, yeah, okay, it's another league. I've I've made the playoffs. I've not won, but I I, I was respectable. I now get my 108, 109, 110 and get a, an average first rounder and, and move on to the next year where probably you'll make the playoffs and, and not do anything more than that. So I, I'm all in on the idea of you either want to be winning or, or rebuilding. And I think that, you know, making some aggressive moves in season is is a really good idea. And, and when you say aggressive moves in dynasty, people think that means trading future picks and, it doesn't necessarily have to do mean that. It can mean, you know, can you trade a Kadarius Tony for Adam Thielen in that, you know, you're giving up that younger wide receiver, but you're telling me any any player would, would rather Kadarius Tony over Thielen for this year. I'd, I'd be shocked. But most people are going to want, you know, Kadarius Tony next year. So I, I think that making those moves is, is really good and, and you can be aggressive. Um I probably wouldn't go all in on let's let's start looking at redraft rankings, but I, I get the point <laughs> in that I think too many people sit on the fence and say, I'm happy just being good. And for me, it's either and this 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 is particularly true in, in cash leagues, isn't it? In that what's yeah. the point of being in cash dynasty leagues if 
you're, you're just basically bankrolling someone else if you're not gonna you know you're gonna make the playoffs and not win so yeah I, I i like the idea what about you Liam? are you as aggressive as antonio or do you sit on the fence a bit more like me Shock. i'm probably in between both of you which is again i don't know how <laughs> but, yeah, again. Liam <laughs> on the fence the about fence. being on the fence that's saying something so um <laughs> I do take my I do take redraft rankings into consideration and I probably take them into account from what you said, Rich, way more than you do, but I'm not someone that will disappear or basically bin my spreadsheet of dynasty rankings and ignore them completely. Obviously age always put plays a factor for me, but when I'm going for a win now roster, I am less worried about picking up someone that is 28 to 30 years old, even though they're gonna they ha- they haven't got the value anymore because of their age. I'm still gonna get a good couple of years out of them, and that's basically all I'm wanting from those type of players. And those are the guys that I'm looking at picking up and being more aggressive for. I mean. Your favourite player, Cordero Patterson, at the moment is a great target because he is old and he's basically unwanted from a dynasty point of view. But if he has another season like he did last season, he's another league winner. And yet he's basically already shown that he can do it. So those are the guys that I'm more sceptical with because of their age and the fact that they could basically just be out of... If, if Cordero Patterson has an awful year and goes back to what he was before last year, he's out of the league in two years' time at minimum, I'd say. But you can say that with any, any running back though. Yeah. Any running back yeah. as any running back is apart from the guys on big contracts, any running back is one season away from being an afterthought. And, and that's that, so that. going back on Rich's strategy, Rich obviously likes to, you know, I'm I'm gathering this now load up on wide receivers, young stud wide receivers. So his dynasty rosters must look like, you know, on, on sleeper, a lot of blue. I've seen the drafts that you do, Rich. You end up hammering uh, running back later throughout the whole he rest start, of the draft. He, However, he starts a lot of blue and then his yeah. bench is just green. So, so if, that, if that's how your dynasty teams look when you come to week one, I mean, I, I've played in so many redraft leagues over the years. I've never seen, really, it's rare, a redraft team to win being weak at running back so you're so you're going into that season behind in my opinion most teams no. because because because, because be, you know okay one of those you know is it one of those running backs could hit easily most of them do you've got enough I, i'm not saying that but it's very it's rare and i don't i, I think you should, you know you if you be honest rich it's rare that a fancy team will win being weak at running back. I, I haven't seen it much. No, opinion. I agree. But that's the it's beauty more. of... I'm I'm building my dynasty for the long term, but I can be aggressive. If I think I'm a running back away, I've got no problems trading a young wide receiver in a first-round pick to go and get a stud running back that will help me in that year. Yeah. Just, that's just because I build my dynasty teams in the off-season and in drafts that way... I, I've got no problem with, with going out and acquiring a running back. The thing I don't like doing is rostering running backs in the offseason because okay. I so, always fear that I will have a Cam Akers or a J.K. Dobbins situation last year where you've got this so much value tied up in the running back position and they so, can lose their value instantly. So I would rather overpay to acquire a running back in September than I would pay correct price in April and run the risk of rostering for the next five months. That, that is, um, that's a great strategy. And But what you're doing there is you are looking at redraft rankings because you're getting a Connor Fournette. Yeah. All one right, of those players. So, so the, boy, that's what I was trying to say with the tip. You know, if you're oh, ready to it. win, yeah, you know, you look at those players like Fournette and Connor last year. They are going to be lower on dynasty um, mindsets, but they they they're the ones who are going to help you win. And I think we can pick a few this year. Probably won't be those yeah. names because they're higher up. But you know, there are some running backs that Rich you, you just said it. They go out if you're if you're setting out to win and you're one running back away, 
you know, take in that redraft content and go and get that running back to help you win. I think that's absolutely. And it's, I, I, I love the idea and, and it's certainly something that I, I will do with the running back position. Like I'm, I'm buying a lot of Aaron Jones at the moment oh, because I perfect. think that yeah. people are, people are throwing him on the scrap peak because they're saying, Oh, this is his last year in green Bay. And it's like, for me, with the way I build my rosters, I only need a running back for a year. Like, yeah, give, give me all the Aaron Jones. He can be worth nothing after this year, but he's going to carry me to a title this year. He may not also just to put it <laughs> but in there. He may also stay for an extra year because of that contract. It's not, although they save a lot, it's also not that much. Content. I thought you, you were saying, you, 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 I'm pretty sure you told me Aaron Jones had one year. I, I was the one who was saying Aaron Jones has got a couple of I, years left in Green Bay. So I, I was very adamant, and Rich was as well, that Aaron Jones had one year left. No, he's got no, three. I've gone got, through camp. It's. <laughs> He's got three years left There's on his contract, but they can move on from him after one year, after the end of this year. They, I think they can save something like eight million. It would mean they're paying him like 18 million next year if he's on the Packers, which considering that's more than like Christian McCaffrey is, is earning and considering they're going to be paying their quarterback like 50 million. Oh, here you go. I've got the exact numbers in front of me. So... He's got a dead cap hit of nine and a half million. If he's on the roster, his cap hit will be 20 million. So they can save uh, 10 and a half million by moving on from him, which to me, when you're saving 10 and a half million to move on from a running back and you've got AJ Dillon sat there, I really think Aaron Jones is is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Is it it common though for, because they give him a four-year deal, yeah? Yeah. Yes. So he would be going out after year two of that four-year. Yeah, is that common for running? It, it depends on how the contract's built. This contract was from the moment they he signed it. Yeah, it was a I two year. I, I just can't think of many. It was a two year deal with two years added on. It all depends on the structure because okay. the way the way the Packers structured it, there was small cap hits in the first two years with not a huge amount guaranteed after that. So it was basically a two and a half year deal. And then massive cap hits in year three and four, but they weren't guaranteed. So it looked, you know, yeah, it looked really like a really big high paid contract for the agent. So he gets his little win. Aaron Jones gets a nice little bit of guaranteed money up front. But actually, yeah. the majority of the contract was just fake money. So it was a, a two year deal. And as I said, they can move 10, save 10 and a half million from moving on from him, which to me, I think any running back in the league if you can save 10 and a half million and say goodbye i think you're probably doing it the only thing i'm gonna throw in there is if it, the offense runs through him this year like everyone is predicting are you really going to cut a running back where the offense has literally run through that guy and he has been the the top target that is everyone is projecting him to be that is scoring the most fancy points. I mean, that's not going to come into the NFL, but has got the most yards on the team. That's the, that's where I am kind of. The caveat is they could be wavering. I, th- I think that there's no there's no way that Aaron Jones is playing on his current contract next year for the Green Bay Packers. There is a chance that they could restructure and push more money down the road. You know, they've got all the dead cap hit in the world for Aaron Rodgers three years down the line. So why not chuck some more down there? But yeah, <laughs> right. enough, enough about Aaron Jones. Then uh, yeah, yeah we, we, we came to talk about flex spots and ended up having a rant about Aaron Jones. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Anyway, thank you, Antonio, for coming on the show. It's been brilliant to have you on cool. yet again. Um, next week, listeners, we're going to have Paul on. Um, I'll be talking about difficult, difficult conversations with him. Um, and I promise to try and keep Elijah Mitchell and AJ Dillon out of it as much as possible. Um, Rich, unfortunately, won't be there because he's off frolicking in somewhere in England. I don't know. I'm at the Commonwealth Games, mate. Oh, there you go. He's cl- he's moved closer to me, so that, that's all. I'm I'll be in, I'll be up north. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start this. And it, anyway. Um, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week guys see you later
are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.